Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. Unelected bureaucrats are driving us to an authoritarian state. We've got that story plus Iran's fissile material, but first, solar geoengineering should be regulated, United Nations report says. We grabbed this link from Scientism America, who lied about COVID. They helped lie about 9-11, so of course, they're leading the charge on this as well. A panel of climate experts convened by the United... Do not take a drink every time this article says experts. A panel of climate experts convened by the United Nations calling for international regulations to extend into the stratosphere. The recommendation detailed in a report released Monday could help manage the risks associated with spraying sunlight-reflecting aerosols dozens of miles above the Earth's surface. Such stratospheric aerosol injection is largely untested and potentially harmful, but it's attracting attention as an emergency measure to avoid catastrophic climate change. This group unanimously suggests stratospheric aerosol injection be considered within a new broader framework for the governance of the stratosphere, the experts wrote in the report by the United Nations Environment Program, or UNIP. Other activities, such as rocket launches, may also be considered as little regulatory or governance structures presently exist for the stratosphere. There is growing interest from scientists, governments, and of course, the beloved philanthropists in researching stratospheric aerosol injection, a form of solar radiation management, or SRM. It's all about, remember, using their correct code words and acronyms, because chemtrails is what crazy people talk about. Such approaches, which also include altering the density of certain clouds, have the potential to temporarily lower global average temperatures. But the field of study, also known as solar geoengineering, remains controversial because it doesn't address the primary cause of climate change, the burning of fossil fuels, and could lead to unintended consequences. Releasing aerosols into the stratosphere, for instance, could damage the ozone layer, which they told us was all destroyed already decades ago which is back, of course, and protects people and the planet from the sun's cancer-causing ultraviolet rays. The UNEP report was written by Govind Dasanya Bala, an atmospheric and ocean sciences professor at the Indian Institute of Science, along with eight other independent experts from around the globe. They urged international leaders to not only adopt stratospheric regulations, but also support additional research of SRM. The experts also suggest that leaders consider establishing regulatory frameworks that differentiate between small-scale experiments and large-scale interventions in the Earth's climate system. Two extra links for you. An open letter regarding research on reflecting sunlight to reduce the risks of climate change and the PDF, One Atmosphere, an independent expert review on solar radiation modification research and deployment. James, is this the official announcement of something they've already been doing for 20 years? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh, no. Sorry, buddy. I... I misunderstood. I took a drink every time he said experts. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought you were about no, to... Okay, yeah. I'll leave your rhetorical question hanging because our informed audience knows the answer to this, right? Of course, yes. This is just the official rollout of the thing that they've been doing for decades now. And now they're starting to inch towards revealing it to the public. Here's a more interesting exercise that we can do with this particular document that we're linking up, this One Atmosphere document. Um, I had a chance to peruse it, and I found it was loaded with magic words. Of course, 
my audience will remember from my recent Solutions Watch episode on the magic words um, that I want the magic words that I featured in that episode, stratospheric aerosol injection, of course, does make an appearance in this document starting on page seven. But there are some other magic words that you could glean from a document like that and this like this. And that's actually one of the uh, uses that we can put to this propaganda is to uh, scour them for the magic words that will help us unlock the doors to see what they're really doing behind the scenes. So SRM features very heavily in this document, solar radiation management. Keep that one in your magic words tool belt. Another one that makes an appearance is stakeholder because now you are a stakeholder in the atmosphere. You're not a human being living on the planet, an organic existence. No, you're a stakeholder in the atmospheric ecosystem, which they are specifically, if you do follow the thread of that magic word, you will find it leads straight back to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, who has been talking about stakeholder capitalism for years now. In fact, one of the core concepts of the World Economic Forum. So it's an interesting document to explore in that vein, but more sort of on the meta level of the propaganda here and how it's functioning. This is the perfect crystal clear example of an, uh, a phenomenon that I identified. I remember talking about this at the end of one of my podcast episodes like 15 years ago. And if someone can please identify which podcast episode it was. I, I remember it, but I cannot remember which podcast episode. Please dig it up for me. I want to feature it in a flashback. But I remember specifically talking about this, and I think I was talking about it specifically in the context of chemtrails, was that they will use this um, propaganda technique. It's not happening. It's not happening. You're crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. You think that thing that you can see is happening? It's not happening. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. It's not happening. And then, like a switch was just flipped, suddenly, of course it's happening, and it's a good thing that it's happening. <laughs> and that, unfortunately, people who are not using their critical faculties will simply go along with it, because this is an escape valve into conspiracy reality for Joe Q. Normie. Joe Q. Normie, who has been trained like a seal to clap for the fish and to say conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory when people talk about solar radiation, man uh, solar radiation management, will now have an excuse to go, yes, of course it exists, of course it's happening, and yes, well, we need the UN to steward over this process and set the regulations so that it doesn't get out of control. Anyway, uh, this is just a big PR campaign, a big rollout for, oh, by the way, geoengineering is happening. And, um, you know, a few years from now, they'll admit, oh, well, we've been doing some tests for the last 30 years, but we didn't need to let you guys know about that. Anyway, part of this marketing campaign is the Make Sunsets Company, which you will recall from that Magic Words episode. I played a bit of Derek Bros talking to Ryan Christian about his article on geoengineering and how Mexico got really offended because this Make Sunsets company did some, essentially a, a PR campaign of, before it was all the rage to rage at balloons, they sent some balloons over that blew into Mexico um, that was uh, releasing aerosols um, as part of just essentially a marketing campaign for geoengineering. Uh, that company is still around and still doing things. So I will point you to uh, Derek Bros's article on it. Mexico becomes first nation to admit harms of geoengineering halts future experiments. And this follow-up from just last week, geoengineering startups claim it, uh, it got okays to launch from the FAA doesn't stand up to scrutiny. So whatever, make of it what you will. I think it's just a big marketing campaign for, hey, geoengineering, of course it's real. It is happening and it's a good thing. 
As I've said, in the six months since we moved up here to even more northern New Mexico, it's like, man, they are geoengineering the heck out of us up here. James, you worried me there for a second. I thought you were having a climate change heart attack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and their SRM, not to be confused with their SRA, of course. Satanic ritual abuse. <laughs> it's all their acronyms. Uh, in other world government news, United Nations says censoring disinformation and hate speech will protect free speech. Because, of course, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. But yeah, not only is war peace, but it's also a racket. And the biz is a buzz, James. The arms race heating back up. They're all very excited about profiteering off of World War III. Serbia warns, everyone is preparing for war. Belgrade says it's profiting from the arms and ammunition race. Meanwhile, U.S. sending up to 200 more troops to Taiwan as China tensions grow. Don't worry, though. They'll have pride flags on their bayonets, so I'm sure it'll be great wars for Democrats. And Taiwan to criminalize spreading rumors during wartime. The Taiwanese Defense Ministry has proposed up to three years in a cage for people who spread false information. Those war notes, just really a precursor to our second story here on New World Next Week, episode 511, as the U.S. claims Iran can make fissile material for a bomb in about 12 days. This from the Rothschilds Reuters and posted on the Jerusalem Post, of course. Iran could make enough fissile for one nuclear bomb in about 12 days, a top U.S. Defense Department official said on Tuesday, down from the estimated one year it would have taken while the 2015 Iran nuclear deal was in effect. Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, Colin Call, K-A-H-L, another Obama-Sia intelligence asset from Stanford and the CFR, Colin Call made the comment to a House of Representatives hearing when pressed by a Republican lawmaker why the Biden administration had sought to revive the deal, the beloved Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the JCPOA, because we don't have enough acronyms yet. Because Iran's nuclear progress since we left the JCPOA has been remarkable. Back in 2018, when the previous administration decided to leave the JCPOA, it would have taken Iran about 12 months to produce one bomb's worth of fissile material. Now it would take about 12 days, Call, the third-ranking Defense Department official, told lawmakers. And I think there's still the view that if you could resolve this issue diplomatically and put constraints back on their nuclear program, it's better than other options. But right now, the JCPOA is on ice, Call added. U.S. officials have repeatedly estimated Iran's breakout time how long it would take to acquire the fissile material for one bomb if it decided to. They've usually put it at weeks, but have not been as specific as Call was. While U.S. officials say Iran has grown closer to producing fissile material, they do not believe it's mastered the technology to actually build a bomb. They should ask Israel. Under the 2015 deal, when then-U.S. President Donald Trump abandoned in 2018, Iran had reined in its nuclear program in return for relief from economic sanctions. Trump reimposed U.S. sanctions on Iran, leading Tehran to resume previously banned nuclear work and reviving U.S., European, and most importantly, Israeli fears that Iran may seek an atomic bomb. Iran denies any such ambition, and the Biden administration has tried but failed to revive the pact for the last two years. Damn that orange man! Everything is still all his fault. It's a pretty, pretty awesome tool to just use that all, all the time. It's like, yeah, it was Russia or Trump. 
This is, James, it really kind of hit me doing the prep for this. This is obviously Obama's third non-consecutive term. They literally still, whoops, accidentally say President Obama at the White House pressers. It's accidentally, though. James? Well, to be fair, the JCPOA was actually probably the best thing that happened under Obama. And Orange Man was just a total, either a completely easily manipulable dupe of the deep state or an active complicitor, uh, complicit, an active conspirator with it. <laughs> Brain fart there. Um, because uh, it, just like, oh, he had to do the serious strikes because his daughter was crying crocodile tears over these children who had been chemical weapon attacked by Assad. Honest, it was Assad that did this. Oh, okay, let's let's start missiling uh, Syria. And in the same way, Netanyahu's best buddy came up and, oh, look, Iran's going to have a nuke any day now. Okay, we'll scrap that JCPOA for you, Benjamin my best buddy. Um, so yeah, uh, screw Trump, but the, whatever, uh, Biden is not, I, I think, eager to sign back onto the JCPOA and why not? And why, what is this all about anyway? Um, this, this particular scare, oh my God, 12 days. So we can set our clock on this. So what, like mid-March, there's going to be a nuclear strike by Iran on Israel, presumably, right? No, no, that's of course not what they're saying. They're saying they could have a nuclear weapon in 12 days. And how do they even reckon that? It's because, oh, they've reached this new threshold of uh, enrichment of uranium. It's now up to 83.7% enriched, according to this IAEA report that this Colin Khan f- figure is uh, is waving around. But, hmm, what does that figure mean and where does it come from? Well, actually, it's buried of course, several paragraphs down into any, even the mainstream articles on this. So if you go to the AP UN report, uranium particles enriched to 83.7% found in Iran. Oh my God, what a incredible headline. But you read down in the report and it admits later on, the IAEA report only speaks about particles, suggesting that Iran isn't building a stockpile of uranium enriched above 60%, the level that has been enriching at for some time. So, in fact, this is a complete nothing burger. Surprise, surprise. But, oh my god, let's let's go with the headline, 12 days till nuclear Armageddon. Um, this has exactly as much substance, exactly as much substance as that stupid political theater of uh, Trump's best friend Netanyahu on the stage, in two, literally on the stage in 2018, pulling back the curtains on those binders and the 183 CDs worth of information that they pilfered out of Iran's secret nuclear program that was going to have a nuke in 90 days or whatever it was at that time, right? And that was, what, four years ago? Five years ago now? Hmm. Still... The clock's a bit stuck on that one, isn't it? It is political theater. The real nuclear threat in the Middle East continues to be the only nuclear regime in the Middle East, but the one that you're not allowed to say is a nuclear regime, Israel. Oh, funny how that works, isn't it? So total, total nothing burger, total garbage, 100% propaganda. I think I'll have more to say about this in the future, but at any rate, I I think I'll, I'll, I'll include some links in the show notes for people to get caught up on this if they don't know about it. And I believe I saw something fly past me. Netanyahu is basically de facto back in power, back in control in Israel. Sorry, occupied Palestine. James, it always really stuck with me, and you even just said stuck. I thought you were about to say stuck's net. 
that time Obama and Israel created a computer worm to, I don't know, maybe cause your nuke plants to melt down. Hey, I have an idea. Let's make them have like a Fukushima or something. That sounds like a really good idea. Psychopaths, murderers of women and children, every single one of them. <sighs> James, it, it could stop global warming. It could stop global warming. They could might make a bomb. They might track and trace everything we buy and sell if you get the Mask of the Beast. Our third and final story on this New World Next Week, U.S. legislators introduce bill to prohibit the creation of an American CBDC. Grabbing this from Zero Hedge, U.S. Congressman Tom Emmer, an R from Minnesota, has introduced a bill that would prohibit the Federal Reserve from issuing a CBDC directly to anyone. The bill, titled the CBDC Anti-Surveillance State Act, details that, quote, Except as specifically authorized under this act, a Federal Reserve Bank may not offer products or services directly to an individual or maintain an account on behalf of an individual or issue a central bank digital currency, CBDC, directly to an individual. It goes on to further detail specifically that the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System and the Federal Open Market Committee may not use any central bank digital currency to implement monetary policy. Representative Emmer explained in a tweet announcing that the bill that, quote, any digital version of the dollar must uphold our American values of privacy, individual sovereignty, and, of course, free market competitiveness. Anything less opens the door to the development of a dangerous surveillance tool that they've already developed and unleashed, and now they're going to announce it to us. The bill aims to stem the creation of a CBDC due to the various issues many see as potential results of the creation of an American CBDC, as detailed in all kinds of pieces like the dangerous implications of central bank digital currencies. The U.S. central bank digital currency narrative is a fantasy, and they don't, of course, include the Bitcoin PSYOP, but maybe they should. The idea of a CBDC not only has moral and ideological opposition to it, but technical limitations present challenges that could make such a thing not possible in the first place. Several representatives involved in the bill have also voiced their, their support. Representative Barry Loudermilk, an R from Georgia, released a statement saying he was proud to join forces with Emmer on legislation to keep the Fed from issuing a CBDC. The Fed should be focused on its core mission of stable prices and max employment, not tracking our transactions indefinitely. In addition, Representative Andy Biggs, of course, an R from Arizona, reiterated this point, explaining that, quote, unelected bureaucrats are driving us to an authoritarian state. That can't happen. James, <laughs> luckily for us, they're driving probably one of their scam environmental cars, so it'll just burst into flames, hopefully. <laughs> one, can, one can always hope. Um, and one can hope that this bill will actually be passed one day. Um, until it does, uh, I'll, I'll reserve judgment as to whether this is going to have any effect whatsoever. But, hey, it's a step in the right direction, I guess, maybe. But people who saw my um, recent expose on, on sort of the deeper dive into CBDCs will know that, in fact, w part of what's going on here is that uh, tension between the interests of the central bankers and the interests of the commercial bankers. And the commercial banks right now are worried that the central bank could essentially cut them out of the deal. And if people are transacting directly with the central bank, why do we need the commercial bank middlemen? So there's, there's some aspect of that kind of war going on behind the scenes here, which reminds me of the type of underlying part of the whole Glass-Steagall Thing that I talked about in The Truth About Glass-Steagall, where there was a, a sort of banking war between the Morgans and the Rockefeller interests that were not aligned, and 
the Glass-Steagall Act was part of that war. It doesn't necessarily benefit the population. It's to benefit one or the other side of the oligarchy. Um, so anyway, yeah, okay, wait for the government to set regulations on what it can and cannot do to you. <laughs> right? Um, hmm, well, let's hold our breath on that one. But the more fundamental solution, as I'm sure our viewers already know, is going to be how can you interact and transact with people that aren't in these controlled fiat currencies in the first place? Don't just wait for the U.S. government to come and save you from the Federal Reserve. Uh, I think that might be a, a chump's game. No, we have to find communities of interest that are willing to trade with each other in ways that, uh, that maybe Uncle Sam has nothing whatsoever to do with. I think that's the real the real win going forward. Um, but at any rate, hey, it's a step in the right direction, or at least it raises the issue, which is perhaps the more important part of this, because just public understanding of this issue is, I think, the first step to getting anything like that community of interest going that I was talking about before. And then maybe then we can have a lot of bad geoengineering and all this sorts of things. You're absolutely right. It's getting the discussion out there. Uh, I saw another headline fly by Visa paying restaurants $10,000 to abandon cash, to not use cash at all at their restaurants, as, of course, the war on cash continues. There's actually some of the comments on this Zero Hedge article do get into exactly what you're talking about. The, even the semantics of what they're saying, even this new proposed bill perhaps opens the door to leave the commercial banks. Don't worry, you'll still be the middleman. We'll still have you looped in and roped in on all this stuff because they're still politicians. You know they're still paid by the corporations they're supposed to keep honest. They'll do it and then they'll just retcon the laws to say it's legal, whether it's spraying or the clot shots or all of it. Our Alexa friends are not voting their way out of this and as that classic quote goes, the only winning move is not to play. That is New World Next Week, episode 511. You can support our work. Again, that's our combined work of over 30 years as Corbett Report and Media Monarchy. James, <laughs> that kind of blows my mind. You can support our work through the store, through newworldnextweek.com, and you can support us through the post office box if you don't deal in, you know, CBDCs and weird digital money. Remember to, of course, make any checks out to Media Monarchy. And if I haven't noted on these shows before, I can't deposit your weird Canadian sideways endorsement checks. The banking apps in the States, they, they literally don't work that way. It's, it's, it's turned perpendicular. So those always, I, as soon as I see them, I'm like, oh, I can't use this. James, that's, that's New World Next Week, episode 511. All right. Thank you for the stories, James. Looking forward to it again next week. All right, buddy. Appreciate you. Take care.